Welcome to Wild Quincy, a podcast that looks into the little-known and forgotten past of Quincy, Illinois. In 1912, the Quincy area was rocked by one of the most brutal murders to ever take place when the Fanschmidt family was slaughtered in their own home near Payson. But what if this wasn't the only time a family was murdered in the Quincy area? Can an old urban lore reveal truths about another heinous murder? In this episode, we talk about the legend of Peyton's Place. That, coming up next. Now, here's your host, Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. So we uh, have some great news is that we come back for another episode of Wild Quincy and nobody got arrested. I mean, so evidently uh, being with Chief Yates and talking with him, we, we must be in the good graces, right, Travis? Oh, yeah. I've been doing 110 <laughs> down Broadway, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we're we're on the right side now, so we should be good. Great uh, power no, comes great responsibility. I think exactly. was, you said that Aunt May, Spider-Man. <laughs> was it Aunt May <laughs> and Spider-Man? I, it, I don't know. That seems like it should be older than Aunt that. B. That was Andy Griffith's show, I think. So Aunt May. I'm thinking that wow. was Spider Man. So let You're us pulling, know in the comments. You're pulling the deep out there. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, so yeah, thanks to Chief Yates for joining us for the last episode. If you didn't get a chance, check that one out. And then, of course, for you Patreon wild things, exciting, interesting, very. Very, and let me add one more very to that, deep conversation uh, about uh, crime uh, that Travis and I had in the last episode of Patreon. So if you're uh, interested to see our take non-political, <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we tiptoed around the politics pretty, pretty well, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, all yeah. things considered. Right. So, uh, yeah, so we have a uh, packed episode. It's an unexplained episode. We'll have that coming your way in just a few minutes. But, you know, Travis, it's the holiday season. It's time to be merry. It's time to give wild Quincy gifts for Christmas presents. You can be merry. I'll still be Travis. Okay. 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 So what kind of gifts are you looking for this year, Mary? Uh, <laughs> well, some t-shirts, right? We got, uh, oh, boy, uh, I know a place you can get some wild Quincy t-shirts as a matter of fact. Yeah, right. It's almost like we planned that pitch. Almost, well. almost like it. Yeah. So, uh, we, we have the, uh, some, you know, some of the standards, uh, your, uh, uh what do you call it? Uh, Levy Walker survivors club. Just we straight have up wild thing. Yeah. Shirt, a wild Quincy uh, logo. Yeah. Lots of stuff. I failed to mention it. What's the one with the cupcakes? Oh yeah, that's the uh, it's <laughs> it's the it's like the the Quincy food classics, I believe it's yeah. Boy, I haven't looked at it in a while. It's, it, was, it had a pretty good uh, run there for a while, about a year yeah. ago. But uh, yeah. it talks about uh, let's see the the Herald, the uh, what's the other ones on there? Then the uh, something like cupcakes and it was something. yeah yeah. Go check it out. The Angel Food uh, cakes from yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, check those out uh, on uh, our. Uh, or actually, you can go to our website and uh, you can get to the link from that. And I'm sure they'll have a promotion going on this time of year. So we'll try to throw out. something up on the uh, old socials here when we see any promo codes come your way. But yeah, it's a t-shirt so good that you might just want seconds. So yeah, and, and I will be honest. They finally at the first when we first started this a couple of years ago. The company we were using that the, the shirts just were horrible. They would shrink, and and now they're using the, the Gildan shirts, and they're they're already pre shrunk. They're really nice now. So um, yeah, check it out. They're really high quality shirts now. That's coming from them. So uh, I, I have two, and I wear both of them pretty much every week now. So um, yeah, so I really like them. So you'll you'll enjoy them too. I guarantee that. So check it out. Uh, check out uh, wildquincy.com. You'll get 
uh, the link to those on there. We'll have it on Facebook as well. Travis, we have a lot to get to in this unexplained episode, so we need to dive in. But first, we need to dive into the question of the day. Do I we unfortunately, have to? Do we have yeah. to? <laughs> I was just saying. You're going to say how great I'm doing this season, aren't you? Yeah. Are you 0 for 2? I, 0 for whatever we've done. Yeah. I'm just down here in the slums. But you know what? Well, I tell you what. We ha- I had my company Christmas party earlier this week, okay. and I'm not a great bowler, and we always do bowling, mm. and I bowled a 199, which oh, for me is practically a 300. So Sounds like a Patreon outing of bowling coming up here to show so that So that's off. a roundabout way of saying I might be up, my- luck may be on my favor this time around here, so I'm feeling good about this question, which is whenever <laughs> I say that, almost... It's going to be a split, but we'll see what happens. So on that note, I think I'm going to say this one's a tough one. Okay. okay. So well, every, time I, you, every time you say that, right. I get it right. So tell me exactly. how difficult this is going to be. And I'll be fine. It's going to be horrible, man. Oh, you will never get this in a million years. Feels good. All right. Here's the question today. There are over 1,900 locations in Illinois that are on the National Registry of Historic Places. How many are in Quincy? Going to give you some options. Oh, I was going to say, boy, I hope there's some <laughs> options here. <laughs> All right, we're going to go with some nines. Do we have 9, 19, 29, or 39? Okay. So those are your options. So again, 1,900 locations in Illinois on the National Registry of Historical Places. How many are in Quincy? We'll have the answer for that coming up at the end of this episode, but it's time for our first unexplained episode of this season. It's been something that we've talked about in the past. It's one of those uh, stories. That, does it have some validity to it? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to be talking about Peyton's Place, and that's coming up next here on Wild Quincy. <laughs> Here's what you missed on the latest After Hours episode of Wild Quincy. Real friends, fake doctors, I think yeah, is what the podcast is called. Yeah, a lot of shows are doing that from the past. And that now. Yeah, I liked it. But then, unfortunately, Donald Faison kept going and getting political every episode. And I'm like, and I finally, I actually wrote a review and said, I love this podcast, but I am not getting into right. the politics stuff. Like, in that, I'm done. I just can't do it. Like, I'm not here to listen to what your opinion is and you to tell me stuff, right? That's the one thing. Oh, man, if there's nothing that pisses me off more, it's when celebrities use their platform to try to tell me what I'm supposed to do. Oh, that pisses me off. The only thing I listen to is us anymore. (laughs) I just don't have time. I don't know if that's healthy, Chris. (laughs) That might be a little (laughs) demented. Our After Hours episodes are available exclusively for Patreon members by going to patreon.com slash wildquincy. For just a couple dollars a month, not only will you double the amount of Wild Quincy episodes that you're fingertips but you'll also be supporting our efforts as we continue to dive into the wild and crazy history of our favorite town also as a patreon member you can take part in our live events and patreon only outings as well as having access to our regular episodes two days before they are released to the public it's easy just head to patreon.com slash wild quincy that's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash wild quincy and become a wild thing today First unexplained episode of the season. You know, these are always fun. Uh, you know, it's stuff we get to dive into, Travis, that, uh, you know, is not mainstream, right? Right, right. This this especially to me, I, I still, to the second, know so little about the topic. So I'm sitting here with bated breath just waiting to hear about it. So excited. If you're like me, and we're going to dive right in, this was a story that I was first introduced when I worked at a company called, uh, it was... Um, Oh my gosh, uh, Super Telecom. 
And there was one night where we were sitting there and I worked the second shift. So I got down about nine or 10 o'clock and it was with some people that was there and we were looking up stuff online because finally, you know, it was 2000 and the internet was something. <laughs> uh, so you could actually search for stuff on the internet. And we came across like, Oh, what's haunted places in Quincy. So we looked it up on online and found Peyton's place. And we're like, Oh, this is weird. So what did we do that uh, fateful Friday night? We got off work at 10 o'clock. Well, we drove up there and checked it out. <laughs> of course, you got to check it out. Yeah. But before we get into that, uh, I got to tell you the background story. So there's a couple different stories out there. There's a couple of different um, versions of this. And so I'm, I, I'll give you the two that I have, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about what I heard about it. But let me tell you the first one here. It says, at Warsaw's Peyton's Place, which is Warsaw, Illinois, a man supposedly went crazy on his family and killed them all with a pitchfork. If you walk back into the woods into their private cemetery, a young man's voice will call at you to run and leave. Also, a black 62 Mustang will chase you when you leave and then vanishes from your rear view mirror. Ooh, I love a good disappearing car story. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, that, so that's one of the stories that's out there that's pretty common. There's another version out here, and I'm going to go give you that one too so you have both versions. This one talks about that it's actually could be called Peyton's Place or it could, could be called the Peyton Estate. Uh, and the storyline to this one is Peyton's place is said to be haunted by the spirit of a man who killed his wife and four children sometime during the 1950s. After killing the family, he then killed himself. Investigators report hearing disembodied voices in the family cemetery where the Peytons are buried. Additional research for the allegedly haunted location is currently in progress. And of course, he knows when that was written. Yeah, uh, sure. But that was the, another story out there. So this one is giving us a little bit of a timeline, right? Say it's 19. 50s it's saying there's four children uh, and he killed his wife and four children and then he killed himself uh, nothing nothing reported about the black 62 mustang in this story i actually have had different uh, a little bit additional to this uh when i heard this story it was again 20 plus years ago now uh the other part of this of course what you just heard was the the farmer that he killed himself. And I kind of preface that there is that it was actually a farmer that did it, uh, was one of the pieces. And then what I also heard was the way the house in the farm was set up was the house was on one side of the road and the barn was on the other. And so he killed the family in the house. Then he walked over to the barn and hung himself. That's the story I heard. Okay. Okay. So those are the different stories. So it's time to dig in, okay? Because, you know, this is Wild Quincy. I got to give you 20 minutes worth of details. I'm just not going to tell you right up front what happened, right? Of course. We got to have a whole journey here. We can't exactly. get, right to the, get right to the meat. We got to play with the potatoes first, Chris. Well, before we get into that, I, I had to deep dive a little bit here and find out exactly how common this sort of instance is where you have a could be a man or a woman that kind of just goes goes mad if you will and you're, you're up, running it so you're running it through the crybaby bridge test of all these like folklore <laughs> items that ah. are everywhere across the country or were you just like kind of no, narrow-minded this, this isn't so much a uh, folklore as it is scientific information okay, okay. Yeah. Well, don't let me hold you back what do we got yeah so there's actually and i've never heard about this until i started researching this subject there is a uh, a type of murder that is called familicide have you ever heard this before no yeah it's actually Famlicide. defined and what that is it kind of looks like family 
a side or some sort of, you know, like suicide, family side. So it's, right. it's kind of built that way. But the definition is, is a type of murder or murder-suicide in which an individual kills multiple close family members in quick succession, most often children, spouses, siblings, or other par- or parents. In half the cases, the killer lastly kills themselves in a murder-suicide. So that's what a family side is, Oof, okay? That's dark, yeah. Uh, a study of 30 cases in Ohio found that most of the killings were motivated by parents' desire, and this is kind of kind of interesting to think about, it, is desire to stop their children's suffering. Hmm. Okay, So that's some of the cases with family side. Uh, according to an ABC uh, report, a former FBI agent, Brad Garrett, uh, said people are responsible for killing their families tend to be white males in their 30s, and many of these crimes are occurring in the month of August, ironically. Okay? August. Uh, oh. Yeah, right before school starts, uh, which delays detection and investigation, they say. Um, real quick, finishing it up on your stats here, is that... Uh, since 1805, this this kind of this shocked me. Since 1805, there's been 118 familicides in the United States. Hmm. Okay, so you got to. I know that doesn't maybe that doesn't sound like a big number, but this isn't mass murder. This is people killing their relatives and multiple relatives or family members. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Missouri's only had three. Iowa's had six. And looking up the stats, Illinois. Of course, we got to talk about Illinois. It leads the country in really? familicides. Yes, with 10. 10. So, yes, hmm. there's been 10 familicides since 1805. Uh, so there's kind of some background stories for you. Then I got to look and you know, I'm like, well, let's see, you know, what's the possibilities that if this is some sort of folklore-ish thing, is there some sort of background story? Is there something they're basing the story off of? Yeah. So I, it came across two that kind of hit me, all right? The first one is the Lawson family. It's uh, Germanton, North Carolina. This story is crazy. The day before Christmas in 1929, Charles Lawson took his wife and seven children to town to buy new clothes and have a family portrait taken. The next day on Christmas, Charles murdered his family with a shotgun, then turned the gun on himself. The only survivor was his 19-year-old son that he sent on an errand before he did the murders. Gosh. Yeah, so there's one crazy story. That was 1929, so uh, Merry Christmas. Um, Mm. But uh, yeah, so that happened in 1929. The other story I want to tell you about real quick is a little bit later back. It's 1895. It's a guy named James Dunham. He uh, got into an argument with his wife. The maid came in to investigate. What he did was he grabbed an axe and killed the maid. He then turned to his wife, strangled her to death. His mother-in-law heard all the ruckus and decided to come in. Well, she too got killed with the axe. While he was waiting for the men to come to the house, or men to come to the house uh, the next day, I'm assuming, uh, Dunham gathered up all of his things, including his photos that he was in. Then he, he actually killed his brother and stepfather, and then he shot himself. No, and then uh, Dunham shot them, and then he fled the scene. So it's just, uh, you know, another crazy story where this guy didn't commit suicide, though. But this guy, you know, he decided to <laughs> kill everybody in his family. once. Why again. is it always an axe? Isn't that weird? Dude, and I'll Patreon guys listen to this because I'm not going to rain up here. I found so many instances and I found some new instances of axe murders happening within like Keokuk area. Okay. Ooh, yeah. So we'll talk about that on Patreon. Yeah, let's I, circle back. That should be interesting. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I came across that by accident, which leads into our, you know, going back to a few seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. talking about the Fanschmidt murder. So, uh, yeah. So, so there's a couple instances. We have some other crazy ones. There's one that's so insane that I did not include it in this story just because it was really? so intense. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll uh, kind of hit the basics of that on the Patreon. So, so there's some examples of real-life stories of this happening, okay? So we have some baselines to work with. So let's go back to the story, okay? Let's go back to the facts. All right, first question we need to ask ourselves, did the Peyton family ever exist? Right, that's huge. The answer is yes, they did. Really? Okay. Uh, records show the family being traced back to Virginia, then Kentucky, where a guy by the name of James Peyton moved after soldiering in the Revolutionary War. The guy was actually under George Washington's uh, army. And around 1830, Lewis Peyton led the family to uh, which included his wife, son, and his son's wife to from Kentucky to Hancock County, Illinois. Well, that okay. starts to fit the mold, yeah. Okay, so that's 1830s. Uh, in 1852, the patriarch passed away. Uh, then his son, John, became quite the prominent figure in Hancock County. Uh, by 1840s, John had amassed the largest amounts of land owned by any one individual in the county. Okay. Okay. Uh, the amount of land was approximately nine miles wide by 15 miles long. Okay. So a huge area. Uh, this amount of land is still the record today of most land owned by any one individual in Hancock County. No kidding. Yes. Uh, so besides being a huge landowner, John Payton was also a fruit grower, a cattle raiser. He was a politician. He was a Mississippi level commissioner. He was also the first justice of the peace for Wilcox and justice of the peace for the combined Warsaw Wilcox township before they were divided. That's interesting, Chris, but was he a murderer? <laughs> well, no, he wasn't. <laughs> Well, okay. Let's just first chink in the armor here. But yeah. oh, sorry, derailed you there. Were you? No, no. You're, it's actually a great place to put it. No, yeah. There's nothing that says that uh, that uh, anything pointed his direction. All right. So a couple other things about the family. A 1904 plat map shows that the family owned a real decent chunk of land still at this time. The map also reveals that there are two. Uh, sorry, there, there, there were two locations that possibly had up to three homes that were owned by the Peyton family. Uh, so there was two different property areas and there was three houses within those property areas. Uh, ironically, uh, we'll talk about later, there's some ironic connections there that will go back to what the story I heard about was. Okay. Uh, but uh, So that was on the 1904 plat book. In today's world, let's switch to today's world, okay? Because part of this story also talked about the cemeteries, right? Talked about the family voices and the disembodied voices right. happening at the family center cemetery. Ironic, uh, actually, uh, Peyton Cemetery is exist in existence. Not only is it in existence, but it has two cemeteries that are existence that are called Peyton Cemetery. You have Old Peyton Cemetery oh. and Peyton Cemetery. Pretty close proximity, probably. Um, they're a couple miles apart. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, so the two cemeteries, like I said, they're both just south of Warsaw. The old Peyton Cemetery has seven Peyton family members, including those buried in the cemetery, are the patriarch Lewis, as well as Lewis's brother and the family. Uh, there is little left of the cemetery. That it's pretty hard to find. It's kind of lost all of its vigor. It's not really um, even kept up anymore. So uh, that one's just southwest of Warsaw. Not to be confused with the old cemetery. There's also 
the second one called Peyton Cemetery. It's located just a further a bit further south of Warsaw, just off of County Road 390. Uh, if you go just outside to the southern part of Warsaw, the exit going out of uh, Warsaw on the south, that's how you get to that. Uh, at this cemetery, there's eight family members buried there, and this is where uh, John Peyton, the one we talked about, as well as his wife Alice and their daughter Sarah Jane, are buried at. Okay, so. We go back to our story, right? Because they talk about uh, disembodied voices at the family cemetery, all that stuff. So we know for a fact there are cemeteries. That's a surprising amount of validation for a lot of these stories you hear. There's just nothing at all. So the fact that you have the family in the place and cemeteries that coincide, that's an interesting uh, framework here we have going Mm -hmm. on. Where's the story go from there? Well, that cemetery, by the way, the Peyton Cemetery, the newer one, is in pristine condition. Okay. Uh, it still is to today. Uh, this this one's taken very well care of. It's on private property, but uh, it's got caretakers. Uh, even one of the the stories I came across said that the um, the cemetery plots look like they were just placed yesterday. They're in such great condition. So uh, so it's a great looking cemetery. So I would assume if we're talking, you know, in the last thirty years of these incidents happening, that's probably where we're coming from. Is is this cemetery okay right okay so that's kind of the background and i like i said this isn't going to be a very long episode because uh you know we there's not a whole lot to go off of but i did want to go through what do we know all right so the first thing is did any of the i did this kind of in a question and answer format sure so did any family members buried at the cemetery die at the same time well that would kind of be an indication that eh, yeah maybe something happened right right the answer is no uh, okay. The only instance of having multiple deaths in one year was when George Washington Peyton, Lewis Peyton, and an unknown boy all died in 1849. Uh, 1849 probably doesn't ring a bell for most of you guys, but uh, for the Quincy area, that was a huge time during about 1848 to 1851 because there was a cholera epidemic happening in that time period. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. So three of the Peyton family members died. All of them were in different months. So that would eliminate the possibility of multiple people one dying event. at one time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, those all uh, those three deaths were uh, the first to be buried in the cemetery, the old cemetery. Uh, the last burial was to happen in the old cemetery in 1903. The, the latest to be buried in the new cemetery of Peyton Cemetery was 1952. So... There's another instance we can say. We know that either if something would have happened, it would have happened between, what, 1849 and 1952. Okay. So this puts, you mentioned chinks in the armor, okay? Uh, This one says uh, that uh, sometime during the 1950s that it happened. And only one person was buried in Peyton's Place Cemetery in 1952. Okay. Uh, So let's answer a few more questions. Was it possible that another family member or family that died lived on Peyton's property? Okay, so let's. I was that was what I've been thinking for yeah. the last five minutes. You said yeah. there were there were multiple households on the combined property, right? I immediately was thinking, okay, what about a tenant? You know, who's living exactly, there? exactly. Yeah. What'd you What'd you find? Uh, nothing. <laughs> not much. That's hard. It's hard that long ago to get the. Yeah. It's not actually. Oh, it's uh, not. You were able no, to find some because okay. our great friends in Keokuk that own the newspaper have decided to put every single newspaper from 1855 to 1920 on newspapers.com. Oh, way to go, Keokuk. Yeah, nice. way to go. I went through all the archives, done multiple searches under multiple different things, and there was never a report of a family being murdered in Hancock County at any time. 
Interesting. Okay. Um, the one story said that, uh, oh, going back to what we were talking about with the, the folklore stories, one of the stories says the family was murdered in the 1950s. Uh, the next question here was, there any known murders during the decade in that county? And like I said, uh, the Daily Gate out of Keokuk, as well as the Quincy Herald Wig, which caught me up to more current times, none of them had any reports of a family being murdered in Hancock County. Hmm. Okay. So... <laughs> we're running out of things right starting but to we need to put our tinfoil hats on for a moment oh boy and think okay. outside the box where are we going here and this is kind um, of a wrap-up i this is really all i really got right so i have some so, thoughts but let me, i'm gonna see curious where you're going here yeah so let's let me give you my tinfoil hat and then we can discuss a little bit here okay uh so the first thing is both farmsteads look to have and this is going back to my background and what i remember from the story but both of the farmsteads, and actually all three of them, look to have at one point in time a house on one side of the road and a barn on the other. Okay. Okay. That, that makes sense. I got to think that's pretty common. Yeah. Uh, just recently, within the last 15 years, I did Google, um, uh, did the Google uh, Earth images, and you could tell one of the places definitely had, they just turned it into a field within the last 10 years. But it uh, used to be a farm. foundation. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, the other thing to keep in mind here is that the Peyton family is well known. Uh, they're a very prominent family in the Warsaw and Hancock County area. Could it be possible that John was so powerful, in fact, that something did happen, but they covered it up? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, another thought to put it in here is even though we can't find proof, we do know that all the cemeteries could be very well haunted, right? Because they're cemeteries. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so from the spat standpoint of, of talking about the story, eh, chances are pretty good. You might have something happen. So we could say that that's probably legit. And, and you know, one thing I'll just finish with here before we kind of discuss a little bit is that although the stories may be an urban legend, there's always some sort of story that it originates from. So the question would be, is this a story that originated from a different family that was murdered? Was it something that, you know, you had the John uh, Peyton family and it just became, you know, a convenience to, to create the story? Or is it like us where probably somewhere down the road, one of the, the stories that we've created to try to fabricate into a future <laughs> history uh, that everybody's aware of right now did become in fact a reality so who knows but no, that no. is the nickel tour travis of peyton's place what do you got what do you yeah a couple couple questions yeah. um now is is the peyton family still around today as far as could you find did you know or any mm, evidence of that not not locally. There not are locally. some the, some some relatives that's uh, that are around. There's a, a great uh, granddaughter, maybe a great great granddaughter, that still takes care of one of the cemeteries. Okay. So, but no, as far as I could tell from the the history, is that nobody is local anymore. That is immediate descendants of the Peyton family. Well, yeah. First first thought to the listeners is you know this is such a tight knit community that if you by chance happen yeah. to be an extension of that family, maybe under a different name um and you know something let us know we want to learn more about the genesis of this story and how it, yeah. how it came to be um another question or maybe not a question chris but more of a thought i want to run mm -hmm. past you because let's let's go back to this scenario let's imagine this scenario is happening let's imagine we're just a silent witness you know fly on the wall if this murder or suicide happened right 
So what my question is, did it, did it specify in all the urban legends uh, if it was an axe or a pitchfork? A uh, pitchfork. Uh, one of the stories, it was a pitchfork, yes. Okay, that, that rings a little questionable to me with a pitchfork. There's been a uh, – and so that's where when I did my research, uh, that was the first direction I went was like, well, pitchfork's an easy in 19, searchable in item. Yeah. Uh, um, and there was there's there has been pitchfork murders, uh, definitely not in the, that I could find in this area, but there was some reports of like like one farmer getting upset with another farmer and stabbing them with a pitchfork in the stomach and that happened I have, decently locally. I have <laughs> to think that that is I think if you're going after somebody with a pitchfork in the 1950s era, yeah, it doesn't it's make a, sense. It's, well, it's a passionate crime. I mean, you are yeah, pissed, true. and that's the thing you have closest that's to you, point. right? I mean, most. I mean, here's a question: is it is it fair to assume that a lot of farmers are also gun owners? Oh uh, yeah, I would say so. I is mean, that, I mean, I don't know. Is it I'll give you an example. My my my. My dad, he had a gun, but he wasn't a hunter. But you always had one on the property yeah. if you had an yeah. animal attacking exactly. one of your livestock. Yeah, or just something general like that, security, right? yeah. and not necessarily people, but just right. you know, you get the fox or coyote coming after your yeah. chickens, right? Exactly. Um, okay, I gotta think of this. Boy, there's just so many variables that could have played out if this murder did actually happen. But there is a scenario possibly. What if you know this guy loses it? Goes after his family, then goes and hangs himself. Who's to say the blows that he struck with his family, regardless of the weapon, were fatal? Mm, sure. Oh, you that's know, a good He point. goes and commits suicide. For all he knows, he's killed Everybody's his family dead. and himself. Yeah. He doesn't know yeah. any better. Right. But what if somebody lives? Because the reason I say that is uh, years ago, I was over in Missouri, actually, with a, a paranormal group investigating a similar situation where there was a house and a, a woods on the other side of the road. And apparently, you know, the same scenario, the husband, I think it was only his wife who he shot his wife in the stomach, went across into the, the woods and killed himself. Mm. Well, she didn't end up dying. So, you know, there's always that possibility that, you know, maybe looking, looking for that ironclad proof of an event where you have multiple people dying. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows? Right. I'm just trying to play a little bit of devil's advocate. But also, you know, it seems like, boy, if, if you're that, if this is a crime of passion, you're like going with a, you know, a pitchfork, you're probably going to get the job done. But yeah, I don't well, know. Where are you at on this? First of all, I'm a little jealous. There's a little jealousy that Wait, you would go sunny better, without better me. Clarify. But, well, this was years ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, come on, buddy. But um, I just, we actually, it was actually, we accidentally just talked about it. And I think it's a valid point is that. The Fanschmidt murder is over a hundred years old now, and it's still being talked about in our community. If this right. actually did happen, how was this not a bigger story? Yeah, but it, you know, you know, you're absolutely right. I'm not con con mm -hmm. uh, contradicting anything of what you just said. But what's weird to me is for those of you who listen, because I got to think there's some listeners around Warsaw and oh, Kiev. Yeah, for sure. Is this a major story for you guys? Is this a huge? Because it seems like it's a bigger story in Quincy. Yeah, well, maybe. Of course, I, I don't know. And that's don't know. my question to those who either grew up in Keokuk, Warsaw, that area Warsaw's right there. Warsaw's not that far away from Quincy, though. I mean, it's no, not. It's, as, not. it's not as close as Payson, granted. But if yeah. there was a story that happened even in the last hundred and twenty years, it would have made Quincy headlines, and it would be more invalid than it is. You know? No, you're but right. You're on the right. flip side yeah. of it, you have this. 
urban legend, if you will, that happened in Warsaw, but you don't have an urban legend about the Fanschmidt family farm. Right. Right. So, so, so I guess maybe, you know, again, where, where are we at with this? Is it uh did it happen? It got covered up and now it's just coming that's, through as, as this. That's an, in, that's a really interesting angle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if owning that much land, obviously that to your point power. That indicates power. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Hmm. But you know, even even that being the case, I've got to think that the proof has got to be in the pudding if it comes to the headstones. Yeah, I mean those those you know two dates on each side of that dash. Yeah, um, and I would think though that even so, if that uh, the flip side of that would be is again like kind of combining these things together, say that it was a cover up, but yet it wasn't the Peyton family that actually died right. and it was somebody right. on their property then but then it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why they'd be covering it up but again uh the warsaw paper was was there would there was never a missing archive in the warsaw yeah. paper and if this did indeed happen or sorry in the kickoff paper and if this did indeed happen they would have had extensive coverage i mean look at the Fanschmidt trial that oh, happened absolutely. look at the coverage that that the the quincy i don't know which one it was but the quincy newspapers had when the Fanschmidt you know right. stuff happened oh it's Huge, yeah, yeah, huge, way beyond Quincy, yeah. yeah. And then Something for a of small nature, town like Keokuk, I mean, it would be blown up every day on the newspaper. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. And I, I will say the odd thing, and I think that's kind of where you found yourself thinking too, is there is a lot of stuff that does line up. Usually on these urban legend stories, mm-hmm. there's just no, nothing, no traction anywhere you go. Yeah. And the fact that there is the family, mm-hmm. there is the cemetery, yep. um, boy, it, it's curious to me. I, but let's, I don't know. Let's flip that page. Though. There are some things that I don't think match up at all. Yeah, let's talk stories. about that. And the two that have come to mind, well, the big, the the one I think may be a little bit harder to swallow uh, would be the sometime during the 1950s. When you put a date like that on there, that's pretty easy to track down and research, and, it, and nothing came up. Okay, so that makes it hard to believe. The one thing on this extra piece of the puzzle, though, is talking about the black '62 Mustang. Okay. <laughs> that that is a little odd. That yeah. would automatically make this happen before or after 1962. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then you're like, okay, well, okay. If it was only 50 years old, then then this would definitely be a story, right? So I don't know. There again, where does urban legends come from? Like you said, there's there's always some sort of little hints of truth into it, but how much actually it is? Now the problem I do have with this story is why. Why Peyton? Why the Peyton family? Tell me again about this car. What is it again? It's a 1962 black Mustang. That is very interesting, Chris. Okay. Uh, I was curious. Officially under development since 1961, the Mustang was introduced through billboards, and its actual release date debuting was 1964. What? Oh, so even then, we're The Ford Mustang was only in concepts up in in, in 61. It was not released. The first production model, it says, came out on April 14th, 1964. Hmm. So maybe another chink in the armor. Or maybe we have a situation where there's multiple stories that are kind of getting brewed together and forming kind of an amalgam of urban legends, which is possible. I just have a hard time wrapping my head around why do you create an urban legend with an actual name? Like, I mean, that that creates validity a little bit. It does, yeah. Unless unless they were just... People were jealous. People were spiteful. True. It was a a character character attack, just an assassination on their character, maybe. 
Uh, boy, I don't know. It's such a weird mix of real and, and you know, urban legend. Usually there's just, like I said, not a lot to you know, yeah. hang your hat on on urban legends, but right. it gives you just enough to really kind of linger in that uh, cover-up. Yeah. Wonder, you know, thinking about that. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I just, I, I, you just really wonder, but, you know, and again, how much stuff gets mixed up, what was reality, um, you know, back in the day and, and what gets added on, you know, 1950s or a 1962 yeah. Mustang or, or stuff like that, you know, it's just like, you know, fingerprints on the, on the bumpers. I mean, really, it's exactly one yeah. of those things where you hear it a lot and then people are like, oh, I got to add it to it. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. Going back to what I was telling you about that, I thought it was a farmer, and I thought they crossed the crossed the road to go into the the barn and hang himself. I don't, I couldn't find that. I could not find that yeah. again, which yeah. makes me wonder if I made it up in my head. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Here's the thing. Um, well, if I did, let me finish my thought. If I finished, yeah, if yeah, I yeah. did make that up in my head, then. I just created that story moving forward even farther now. <laughs> exactly. Right? Just playing the, the, the game of telephone through exactly. the lines here. So, exactly. okay, I think we're brazing over a little bit of personal experience here. Because you said it was, what, oh. 10 o'clock at night? Yeah. And you headed up that way with probably, what, a car full of a couple of people, right? Oh, actually, my, at the time, to future wife-to-be was with me. And then also uh, a good buddy of ours, Matt. Uh, oh sure, know, sure, was sure. With us. Yeah. We ended up going up there together you, and searching. How'd it go? What'd you, we, did you find it? What'd you see? We felt like we found the location, which is really weird because it was the night we've. I've never been up there before, and we actually got out and found a cemetery. Now, was it was it that actual cemetery? I'm not sure, but looking at satellite images from today and remembering what I remember back then, it kind of looks like the same place. Did you so, find the house? No, we didn't find the house. We only found the cemetery. So, boy, this is going to be interesting. I haven't told you this. Okay. Um, I do know this legend. Okay. And I have been there. Okay. But I didn't remember what it was until you gave me the details this very evening. Okay. This would have been about, oh, probably 15 years ago. I was up there with a friend. We were cruising around, and and they were telling me about this place, and I'd never heard about it. So we took a you know very similar time frame at night too, right? Mm-hmm. And we ended up at a house, and across the street from that house in the country is a barn. And we even the the legend that I was re, par, relayed on the trip up was that you can still see the ghost of the man swinging from a noose in the barn. Oh my God. I totally forgot about that till you just said that. I know. Right. And so I totally jogged my memory when you gave me the whole layout of the house and the the barn across the street Mm -hmm. and whether it was the actual, you know, who knows if it was an actual property, but um, we did find such a place. We even, uh, you know, don't trespass kids, but we might have pulled into the barn area and yeah. did a loop around the barn to get a full 360. Yeah. We didn't see anything, right. but we never, we never investigated the cemetery claim. I don't even know. I think it came up, but no one was certain how to get there. Yeah. So that's interesting that I, I am aware of this, but just didn't know wow. the name of it. That's crazy. So, yeah. So, yeah. And, and this is up, I mean, again, we're not going to give away exact locations. I, 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 I couldn't roads, if you wanted me to. Yeah. You know, this is really close to the Adams uh, Hancock County line. It's a little bit closer to Warsaw. Uh, so, and again, even back in, you know, the 1840s, 1850s, 
the Peytons owned pretty much that whole area south of Warsaw. Um, so, yeah. you know, they had a huge swath. And, and these two cemeteries uh, are pretty far apart still. They're on the two different plots that ended up getting separated out throughout the years. So, you know, they're probably a good three or four miles away from each other. But, yeah, it's, I mean, that's crazy, man, because, yeah, who knows? I mean, you could have, and I even said this, I don't know if I said this while we were on air for it was before, but, um, I looked at Google Earth images and like I said, you can see you could see even ten years ago where the the place would have been at, but it's you know, it's now it's just part of a field. Well, so many barns have, have been yeah. taken down since the fifties because they just don't right. measure up yeah. to what's needed today in today's standard equipment wise. Yeah. So who's to say if it's still around anymore? Um No, that's that's a wild story. I have a feeling there's gonna be a lot of people that have versions of this story and so i can't wait to hear whatever you guys got you know let us know and email us wildquincy at gmail.com hit us up on socials you can even give us a holler at 612-666-9453 that's 612-666-WILD yeah uh let us know your thought your collections of this of uh your remembrance of these stories did you ever find yourself out in at 10 o'clock at night cruising around looking for this place did you see anything or just give us some history if you have it i mean boy who knows i mean you never know who's going to find this in the future that's related to the family themselves and have some kind of family lore to add to this so right. we'd yeah. love to hear what you got yeah, and I, I'm on 100% behind you on that, Travis, and I also agree. And, and then there may be a piece of the puzzle I'm completely missing that right. maybe somebody in the right. Hancock County area knows that they can expand and give us a whole new search path. And if they do, we definitely will uh, bring you more information. But I, I did about, I would say in general, about nine hours of research uh, trying nice. to find some details, and, and this is all I was able to come up with. Well, that was great stuff, man. That's it, tough. You didn't have a lot to work with, but for uh, you made the most of it, though. You had some really good stuff. Way to go. Way to oh, go. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, that is a look at uh, our first unexplained episode of the season, Peyton's Place. And now you know a little bit more. We'll have more after this on Wild Quincy. <laughs> the makers of Camel cigarettes and free camels to servicemen's hospitals from coast to coast. This week, the camels go to Veterans Hospital, Sunmount, New York, USAAF Station Hospital, Kessler Field, Biloxi, Mississippi, U.S. Naval Hospital, Corona, California, U.S. Marine Hospital, Mobile, Alabama, and Veterans Hospital, Knoxville, Iowa. Three leading independent research organizations made a survey of doctors' cigarette preferences. 113,597 doctors were asked, What cigarette do you smoke, doctor? The brand named most was Camel. According to a nationwide survey, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Well, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette, Travis. <laughs> yeah, I agree, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my cigarette of choice. Yeah. yeah Boy, no isn't that kidding. something? That, that, what, yeah. When was that, Ed? Do you have a date on that? Uh, it was in the 1950s wow. yep, until early, early Man. 1950s. Things have changed. <laughs> yeah. This was on NBC mystery in the air. Another one of those, uh, radio TV or radio oh, shows. I love the radio shows of that era. 
That's one of my guilty pleasures. Uh, in this, yeah, in this, announcer Michael Roy stated that three independent research organizations cut, conducted a nationwide poll of doctors, surgeons, and specialists in every branch of medicine. <laughs> I'm sure that was very scientific. <laughs> 1,113, oh no, sorry, let me, I'm bad with numbers. 113,597 doctors in the poll, or participated in this poll. The brand of cigarette doctor chose most was Camel. There were two people that selected Camel. The other... <laughs> 99% yeah, said, don't, said don't smoke. <laughs> it will kill you. Exactly. Boy, how times have changed. Man, uh, it's crazy. Yikes. All right. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. So, so there you go. Camel cigarettes to, to get you, to get you going. <laughs> you know what? To each uh, their own. You know what? I'm not going to judge anybody yeah. for nothing. Yeah. 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 Most exactly. Things. So. All right, so well, um, those were great back in the 40s, but I'll tell you what's great in today's world is the Golden Pipes. Mm. And now, it's time for Words of Wisdom from Adams County. All right, Travis, time for the wit, wisdom, know-how. Know-who? Of the wit and wisdom of Adams County, forefathers, foremothers, all that stuff. St- stick me with a pitchfork of truth, Chris. What do we have here? <laughs> So it's our uh, first unexplained episode of the season. And as I mentioned, we've had a ton of entries. And I thought this was so ironic. Guys have been probably longtime listeners now. Listen to a lot of the episodes. You listen to this unexplained. You probably listen to other unexplained episodes. Maybe one with a Terry Mosby. Of course. That was on here back in season one. Talking aliens, Uh, yeah. Terry submitted a number for us. Okay. And I thought, how appropriate to do an unexplained episode with Terry's number that's also an unexplained really? number. Ooh, little little <laughs> creepy. What do we got? Isn't that crazy? What do we got? This section is death warnings. Oh, these are always a little scary. What do you get? What do you get? What do you get? All right, here we go. Uh, Her number was uh, 10,045, and here it is. Just a year ago, we were sitting on the porch, and we heard such a noise in the front room. We went in, and the Lord's picture fell off the wall. And in two weeks, my son died. Words of wisdom from Adams County. Uh, That sounds a little familiar. We might have had a similar one. Past. We, I've, I've told that story. I've had, I've say. had people that have told me that story that a fam, somebody yes, in the family died yes, in the family portrait. Yes, yes, that's what I'm yeah. thinking of. Well, yeah. you know, it must be true if it was in the book. That's so. right. And if Terry chose the number that was that's... for a paranormal thing, you know, guys, and you're hanging some family pictures, you better put some, put a couple nails up there, maybe a little duct tape, <laughs> just cover your bases a little bit, right? Uh, I don't know. I'm more scared about the synchronicity of a paranormal person choosing a paranormal number during an unexplained episode. Oof. Oof. Yeah. It gets a little scary. That's wild. So thank you guys for submitting those numbers. We'll have more of that wit and wisdom from our forefathers and foremothers coming your way in the next episode. Travis, before we get things wrapped up, uh, uh, let's do the question of the day. Are you feeling good about this one? I feel like you could get it. Uh, Yep. (laughs) No? Yep. 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 <laughs> I'll let you know what if I when we find out. Okay, so let me give a recap real quick. The question is this: There are over 1,900 locations in Illinois that are on the registry of historic places. How many of those are in Quincy? Got some options for you. Is it nine, nineteen, twenty-nine, or thirty-nine? Travis, I know you're doing some research for the next episode. Yes. And I thought maybe you might have stumbled across this, and I thought maybe you might have some luck at this. What What do you think the number might be? I think it's high, and okay. I think it's C or D. 
Um, okay. What was the last two options? 19, 29 or 39. 29 or 39. You know, I'm going to err on the side of my, my love for Quincy's history and say 39. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm going all out. All right. 39. Well, man, uh, you know, I had high hopes, and unfortunately, you're going to go 0 for 3. <laughs> At least I'm consistent, Chris. Yeah. The answer is actually 19. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. Boy, that's, There's 19 that's lower than historical. Yep. Now, for a county in a whole, uh, for a whole Adams County, you're, you were closer. Okay. It's 27. Okay. There's 27 in the county. So, uh, But the reason I bring that up, and it becomes very hard to come up with questions to make the next episode work, but this one did because... Because one of the locations that we're going to talk about on that historical registry of places is built by a man that we're going to feature. And Travis, who is that person? Oh, yes, we are, Chris. Um, boy, let me, let me warm it up a little bit before I drop the name. Okay. All right. All right. Everyone talks about his home. He was only there for somewhere between 10 to 12 years. Um this guy himself is quite a character. This is about as big of a local celebrity as you can get. He was a globetrotter. He went around the world a couple times. Very eccentric. Had one of the first cars, I think, in Quincy. The man named George Metz. Um, many people go to the Villa Catherine, and it's a wonderful place. One of a kind of damn near anywhere in the United States. A Moorish castle. But... The man behind it was so dang interesting. With We're talking about big, massive dogs, the most eligible bachelor in Quincy. Um, didn't really have to work a day of his life, but he was about as uh, eccentric as they come. And we're going to learn all about the man behind the Moorish Castle on the cliff here. That's George Metz coming up next time. It's going to be a fun episode, Chris. Yeah, I, I, you know, you talked about this episode not really knowing a lot of information. I'm in that boat where I don't really know a whole lot. I, I, I was trying to look up questions that were related to, to him and came across some things. I'm like, oh, I hope Travis talks about that because I've never heard that stuff before. We got, so, we got parrots. We got huge dogs. We have sailboats. Fa- we have boats? sailboats. We have fancy yeah. hats. Um, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. This guy was a character. Uh, I mean. If you read the papers back then, everyone looked at him as he was like the window into the world. He would write letters on these worldwide trips, and uh, people just waited with bated breath on all his words. So I think it'll be fun to learn a little bit more about the the magical mind of this guy who uh, who built such a crazy structure here in town. So yeah, it's, it's a up. it's a it's a it's a notorious name, and not in a bad way. No, but not it's, at all. it's a name that is is well known in the community, and in the even the Villa Catherine uh, being a well known uh, location as well. So we'll be looking forward to that. Travis, before we wrap things up for this episode, is uh, we miss anything? No, thanks for listening. If you want some more, we'd love to see you on the Patreon side. We've had some fun stuff in the past and some interesting things, especially following this episode. we got some more uh, stories that lead into these weird and wild, wonderful, unknown stories. And you know what? Tell a friend. It's it's fun when somebody comes up and says they listen to the show. So, you know, you can, you can give us ratings if you want. We, we like that, too. But most importantly... Tell somebody you know about Wild Quincy. We want to we wanna grow that organic, kind of cool way. We appreciate it. For sure. For Travis Hoffman, I am Chris Kedge. You've been listening to Wild Quincy. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Wild Quincy is released every other Tuesday and is produced by Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Sound designed by Downdraft Sound and Editing and music by Travis Hoffman Music. I'm Bo Beecraft, and thanks for listening to Wild Quincy. Wild Quincy.